Great to see you guys. Thanks for joining us. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services today. Hey, by the way, great job last week bringing your friends and your family to church. Because of you, we had 19,000 people at church on Easter weekend. That's unbelievable. That's just incredible. Thank you. What a great weekend. A lot of people came. A lot of people received Christ. A lot of lives were changed. And so just thank you for caring for your friends and your family and bringing someone to church with you. I want to encourage you. That's just not something we do on Easter. We do that all the time. I want to encourage you to continue to think about it. And for those of you who think, ah, oh, man, I really tried to get my buddy here and I just didn't, didn't happen. Well, there's, a, you know, there's a 51 other weeks of the year. And so it's okay. You can still bring them. I want to encourage you to do just that. And so again, thanks for being here. We're excited about this brand new series we're starting as well. I want to say a quick hello to all of our campuses. Thanks for being a part of our services. Let's also take a moment to give it up for our God behind bars, guys. We love you guys. <laughs> Grateful for you. Plot your notes if you would. I want to give you some things to write down. And as you do that, let's say our mission statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thank you for being a part of our services today. And so I'm excited about this brand new series we're starting called Be Worth Following because all of us really want to be good leaders. Uh, I don't know anyone who would say, oh, I don't want to be a good leader. I don't want to, you know, I don't want anyone to, to, to I don't want to have an influence in anyone's life. No, all of us want to have influence with people and we want to be good leaders, whether that means leading your own family, leading your own children, or it could be leading a corporation, leading a division, leading a small group, leading in your community. There's all kinds of ways to do it. But, you know, I've learned that if you get a good leader in one area, they can probably lead in another area too. But if someone doesn't develop leadership, they're principles that just last over the years and, and over generations. And so if you learn to apply these principles in whatever you do, they work. They really do because they're God's principles. They're, 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 they last the test of time. And so I want to teach you some of that today. And I'm excited to be using a, a, a character in the Bible. There's several I could have used for, for leadership. There's a lot of great leaders in the Bible. And there's also great examples of what not to do. There's a lot of that too. But, you know, there's one in particular that I was drawn to when I talk about leadership, and that's Joseph. And what I love about Joseph is that for the position that he led from, and he literally led a nation, he never led from being the man. At no point in his in his role when he served in Egypt, was he ever the boss? Isn't that amazing? So apparently you can be a great leader without ever being the boss. You can be a great leader without, without ever being an entrepreneur or a CEO or the senior leader or the senior pastor or the, you know, the senior manager, whatever. You, 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 can, you can lead from whatever position you're in currently. It's very possible. And so leadership doesn't start when you get a position, it starts today. And if you lead well, then you'll ultimately get maybe some positions. But what I've learned, if you really want to make your, the position great, just whatever position you're in, if you'll just be great at it and be a great leader, you'll make that position valuable. And so let's talk about that today. Pull out your notes if you would. I'm going to give you some things to write down. And uh, we're going to look at Joseph today again. Genesis chapter 39, as we're starting with. Uh, there was a train conductor. Uh, he, he was on, on the train, and, and uh, the, the train was going to be taken off in a few minutes. And he began to punch tickets. That's kind of what they do. And so he's walking down the line, and the first guy, he, he grabs his ticket, and he looks to punch it, and he says, oh, and he hands it back and he goes, you're on the wrong train. And he was like, what? He goes, yeah. And he goes, no, I just talked to a ticket agent. He said, this is the train. He goes, no, I'm telling you, you're on the wrong train. So they, they, they began this little argument. The guy was like, no, I'm telling you, I know this. That he just told me. And he was like, okay, let's go find out. So he goes, uh, gets off the train. He goes to find out. Well, apparently the conductor was on the wrong train. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. Before we try to become leaders, we've got to ask the question, are we going in the right direction? Because what good does it do if you're not going in the right direction and you want people to follow you? I mean, like, hey, let's all follow me off the cliff. I mean, no, let's not do that. And so you need to make sure you're going in the right direction before we can even start talking about being a leader. And so really, Joseph is a great example of that because things did not go well early on in his life. 
but he still became a great leader. In fact, I believe he led well even when things weren't going well. And so let's talk about that today. Again, pull out your notes and let's look at Genesis chapter 39 today. If you've got your Bible or Bible app, you can turn there, Genesis 39. Um, here, here's, here's what's going on. Joseph uh, basically has this dream. I'm just kind of condense the story a little bit here. Uh, Joseph has a dream. He goes to his brothers. They're in an agrarian culture. Basically, they're farmers. And so he said, I had this great dream, guys. And they're like, what's your dream, Joseph? He goes, oh, I dreamed that my wheat rose above your wheat. Basically, my work rose above your work, and you guys all bowed down to me. And they were like, that's your dream, really? And he was like, yeah, that great? You know? And so it's like, no one told Joseph, like, hey, bro, um, before you think it and say it, you need to let it run through the marketing department in your brain, because that's going to offend the heck out of everybody, right? And so he didn't do that. He was just like, isn't that great? You guys are all going to worship me, you know? And they're like, no, not great at all, you know? So they couldn't stand him. Then on, on top of that, Joseph's father was totally biased towards Joseph. Maybe you grew up in a home like this, and it sounds really fun to be the one that, that, that mom or dad loves more, but it's actually not because it creates all kinds of tension, whether you, maybe you're the one that, that, that felt a little like mom or dad loved you know, your brother or your sister more than you, or maybe you're the one that did get more love. Either way, that's really not healthy. Parents, we need to be really careful that we love all of our kids the same. Even though they're all different, we still love them the same. And so Joseph's dad was totally biased towards him. And so he got him a special coat. So it was a members only jacket. He was the only member. No one else got the jacket, right? So he had like a coat that was his, a coat of many colors. He walked around, hey, what's up? And they're like, oh, here comes Mr. Coat Boy, right? So they couldn't stand him. So eventually they got their belly full of Joseph. They took him and they beat him up. And then they threw him in essentially a hole in the ground, okay? They threw him in and then they started to decide what are we gonna do with him? And they were literally thinking about killing him. But then someone, the nice brother, said, no, let's just sell him into slavery. Oh, that was so nice of you. Thanks so much. You know? And so that's what they did. No, no one ever had a rational thought of, hey, let's not do this. This is really going to go wrong. No one ever said that. They just like, what are we going to do? Are we going to kill him or are we going to you know, get rid of him? What, what do you want to do? Let's just at least just get rid of him. Okay. So then the, the, these Ishmaelite traders came along. They sold Joseph into slavery. Now he ends up in Egypt, another country, another language, another culture, another everything. And so that's what happens to Joseph right at the beginning. So right when Joseph starts to dream of being a leader, everyone turns against him. Wow. That's actually leadership principle number one. I hate to break it to you, but you thought you were going to get leadership by reading a book? You thought you were going to become a great leader by going to a course or a conference or getting your MBA or something like that? No. Leadership happens when crap is thrown at you rapidly. That's how you learn to be a good leader. It's when everything goes wrong in your life and how you choose to respond. That's actually leadership lesson number one is that you don't learn leadership in a classroom, in a lab. You learn it by doing it. In the real world where people don't like you and people have agendas and they're upset with you and you gotta lead anyways. That's what real leadership looks like. And so what does that look like? What did Joseph do? The first thing, check it out. Genesis 39 verse one. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. So first of all, obviously this is a jacked up situation because we just sold a human. Okay, so we already know this is really, really wrong because Joseph essentially gets human traffic. We always think human traffic just means sexual stuff, but it can mean just you're, you're being forced to work. I mean, the same thing. It's still you're trafficking someone. You're, you're, you're treating a human like you can own them and you can't. And so here, right, we have one of the most, one of the first examples of slavery going on. So he is literally sold to Potiphar's top guy. And I'm sorry, Potiphar is Pharaoh's top guy. Potiphar was a tough guy. This is not a nice guy. He was the captain of the guard. That meant that he was essentially the king's henchman. So if the king didn't like someone, he'd be like, hey, I don't like that guy. And Potiphar was like, forget about it, right? Then he was going to go take care of it. He's going to kill the guy off. That's what he did, okay? So he was the Tony Soprano for the king, Okay. 
And so he would take guys out. Or he was Tony Franklin's right-hand man, whatever you want to call it. And so that's kind of what he did. So you can imagine, this is not a nice guy to work for. So Potiphar was, was already not a nice guy. He's really, really mean, cruel. I mean, you know, just, just that kind of guy. Then on top of that, Potiphar's wife was psycho as well. So she was crazy as a loon, as we're going to discover in the story. But so he's dealing with the fact that I got this really hard man I got to work for. I don't know the language of the culture. And this lady is looking at me funny. And I'm really nervous because, you know, she's married to the crazy guy. And so I want no part of that. So, I mean, he's just not in a good situation. What does it mean for you and me? Would you write this down? Number one, how do, how do you create a leadership foundation? Here's how you do it. Number one, leadership starts with the job you have to do, not the job you want to do. It starts with the job you have to do, not the job you want to do. If you're thinking that you're gonna waltz into an organization and get the job you want day one, good luck with all that. Now, maybe you know someone who did that. Oh, I know this person. They just, they walk right in, they got the job. Awesome, they had 20 years experience so they could demand something. But if they have no experience and you're just entering the marketplace, you're not gonna walk into the corner office. It just doesn't work like that. Just the other day, I, was, I, was, uh, I went to a convenience store and a guy that I know was there, he used to be one of our interns, and I saw him, I was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing, man? We started talking. He's an officer now. He, I mean, he had the full police officer outfit. I was like, look at you, man. I, I didn't know. He goes, yeah, I just got finished with the academy. I said, congratulations, that's awesome. So we just started talking for a moment, you know, and, and I told him how proud of him I was. I called him officer the whole time. You know, now he's an officer, it was so cool. And so as we were talking for a moment, he's like, oh, Pastor Bill, stop, you know. But I was like, man, this is so great. Look at you, you look great. I mean, your uniform looks great. You, I'm so proud of you. You've really done something with your life. This is great. And then I said, so are you on shift? He goes, yeah, I got like the worst shift ever. And I was like, yep. That means you're a rookie. That's what that looks like. In other words, like, yeah, you're in, you're in the organization you want to be in. You're doing what you want to do, but you're not doing it the way you want to do it yet. That's very normal. So you just got to know going in that you're going to get the worst hours, the worst shifts, the worst jobs, the worst everything, but you're in. It's okay. Just do your job. And so that's part of leadership is it, it, it listen, I don't have people say, oh, I want to be a great leader and lead these people. How can you lead a group of people doing jobs they really don't want to do if you've never done it? So you have to go through that season first so you can teach them and say, I know you're 22 and this is your first job and this is really not what you wanted to sign up for. I was there, I get it. But if you'll just be faithful here, God can use you there. And so just, just, just hang in there. The reason why I can have a critical eye and give good feedback on the person printing the bulletins is because I used to print the bulletins. I know what that looks like. I had to make them myself. And so that's why I can say to someone, no, it's not just a bulletin, it's a communication tool. It's how we communicate to people and they, communi and they can communicate back to us and we get them involved. It's not just a piece of paper. And so the reason I know that is because I had to do it because there was no one in the church. And so I was printing bulletin the night before our first service. And I did that for about the first year. I printed all the bulletins myself. I remember the day that I passed it off, I was so excited. I was like, oh, this is amazing. I can just actually work on a sermon. I have to write the sermon bulletin too. It was such a blessing. But, but there's not a job, at least in this organization, that I haven't done. And so I know what it looks like. I know what clean bathrooms need to look like because I used to clean the bathrooms. I know. And so I, I get all that. And so the good news about starting at the bottom is that you actually learn the organization. You actually learn what's needed. And you actually have some organizational clout, meaning that you've been around. You know what has to happen for things to function right. And so that's a good thing, not a bad thing. Leadership starts with the job you have to do, not the one you want to do. If you're in college right now, don't drop out. People think all the time, oh, just I hate it. I'm taking all these dumb classes I don't even like. Right, that's the first two years of college. That's every college. You name the school. You got to take biology one and biology two, and you got to take physics, and you got to take English one and two. And you're thinking, I did English in high school. Why am I doing it now? Right? Those are weed out classes. They're trying to see who's serious. And so they just weed you out. And, and, and the people who aren't serious about being a student, 
quit or get, get kicked out either way because they don't have the grades. And so then the last few years, you get to take the classes you want to take. That's how that works. So everyone has to start with the classes that they don't want so they can get to the classes that they do want. You got to start doing the job you don't want so you can get to the job that you do want. So you just gotta know that. You gotta learn to be faithful when things are not looking good, when you don't like what you do, when everyone's not pleased with you, when things didn't work out the way you wanted. Because let me tell you something right now. If you're waiting to lead when life works out, you'll never lead. None of us had everything that we dreamed of as kids happen. So if you're waiting to be a leader, when everything pans out, you'll never lead. We have to learn to lead in the real world. Shoot for the ideal, but you live in the real. So I'm all about the ideal, but I still live in the real. So it's not one or the other, it's both. Max Dupree, he's a leadership expert. He says this, he gets to the heart of things. He says this, the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. Do you know your reality? Do you know really where you're at for? I wanna be a great leader, awesome, where are you now? If you can't admit where you are now, then how can you get to where you want to go. The first thing that you do when you pull out your map app is your map determines where you are now so you know where you need to go. But it doesn't do any good if you want, I want to go to Chicago, Illinois, awesome. But you don't tell the map where you are, you turn off location services, it's like, well, I mean, try to find these highways eventually, or you can turn on the location services and it'll tell you exactly where you are, and then you can map out where you want to go. Where are you now? You have to be able to find that reality honestly. If you're living in denial, you cannot be a leader. You just can't. Leaders admit where they really are, what needs to change in them and others in their team and where they want to go. So you have to be willing to do that. Now, here's something Joseph does that's very unique. So Joseph ends up being sold into slavery, right? And so now he's working for Potiphar. Potiphar's wife is crazy. Uh, Potiphar is pretty crazy himself. Look what happens in verse three. Potiphar noticed this uh, and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. That means his business did well. So, so Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph, there was, there, he didn't worry about a thing except for what kind of food to eat. Wow. Joseph, not, so, so at some point he's like, hey, come here, kid. Come here, boy. Come here, clean that room. So then he cleans the room. At some point he walked back in and was like, wow, this looks great. Can you do that to the other room too? Clean that room up. Hey, can you just kind of sweep over the whole house, make sure we're doing And at some point it's going so well, he says, hey, can you, uh, I know you're new here. I know you don't know everyone here, but can you kind of evaluate my staff for me and let me know how people are really doing? So I'm sure he did a little bit of that too, which is very difficult to do. Now you're making judgment calls that people don't like. And then at some point he was like, Hey, I've been working in my business and uh, it's not looking nearly as good as you got the house. Can you take a look at my spreadsheets real quick? Can you just take a look at the profit and loss and just see what you would do, Joseph? So Joseph turns his whole house around. Then he turns his, his personal businesses around. I mean, he's got everything succeeding. The problem with this is while this is going on, success is attractive. And so the problem is that he attracts the wrong girl. And so Potiphar's wife, who is crazy as can be, she's nuts and she's obviously a cougar. She's going after this young guy. So we'll just call her Hotifer. And so Hotifer... I mean, she was, she's crazy. And so she was chasing after Joseph. The Bible says, in fact, I don't have time to go through the whole scripture, but the Bible says that Joseph was attractive. And so that was a problem in this case, right? And so it's a problem I've had my whole life. It's so tough. <laughs> so, he, so she's attracted to him, right? So everywhere 
he goes, she shows up, Joseph, what's up? You know, and so he's just like, leave me alone. You know, every time that he walks in, she's there, she's like, hey, you know. So, you know, so he's just trying to do his job. So he's trying to avoid her, right? And so eventually she catches him, grabs him by the cloak, it says basically by the clothing, right? And so who knows what that scene looked like? I mean, I'm sure it was very rated R. And so she jumps on him and she's trying to get her freak nasty on. And so don't Google that. Please don't Google that term. I don't know what that means. Anyways, and so she jumps on him and so she's, she's going for it, right? And so he's like, I'm out. And so he like leaves his shirt with her because she won't let go. And so you can have the shirt, but you're not gonna have me. So he runs out. When he runs out, she literally yells out, help, Joseph tried to rape me. I was like, are you kidding me? It's projection. Projection means where someone's guilty of something and they try to make you feel you're guilty of it, right? And so, so at this point, he is now blamed for rape. And so what happens is now Potiphar comes running in. I'm sure he's embarrassed by this whole thing, all, all his household is. But I think it's funny, Potiphar doesn't have Joseph killed. He could have. I mean, Joseph in his mind was just property. It's like, yeah, no problem. You know, oh, the horse is bad, shoot the dead, done. That's, what, that's the way they treated slaves. I'm not saying this is right. I'm just telling you his mindset would have been like, oh, just kill him. Why did Potiphar not have Joseph killed? Number one, he saw the value in Joseph because Joseph had turned his whole business around. But number two, what did Potiphar know about his wife? Right? And he ended up putting Joseph in the Pharaoh's personal jail. So I wonder if you call up Pharaoh, hey, Pharaoh, I need to drop off uh, one of my guys. And he's like, oh, what happened? Well, uh, why don't you just have him killed? Well, I just want to put you, oh, is it your wife again? Yeah, just, okay, got it, got it, yeah. Like, how many times this has happened? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, apparently Potiphar's wife got around more than the common cold. I'm just saying, I don't, that's. Anyway, okay, so. So now, like, have this ever happened to you? You're trying to do the right thing and then you get accused of stuff that you didn't do? Like, you're, you're literally like, I'm trying to be a great leader and it's getting worse, not better. Someone's gonna go to their work this week and try to become a leader and they'll get fired. And you're like, well, I don't understand what happened, right? What, what happened? Because not everyone is as into achievement as you are. Not everyone is comfortable messing with the status quo. Not everyone wants to have a vision in their life to do something more. Did you know that? In fact, let me just tell you right now, years ago, I prayed this prayer. I said, God, would you please bring leaders to our church? Please, please, please bring leaders. And you may say, well, I don't feel like I'm a leader. Well, I believe you are. See, the way you develop a leader, by the way, is the same way you mine for gold. You gotta move a lot of dirt before you get to the gold. And so I believe that if we'll just move some dirt in your life, there is gold in you. You are a leader. Because I ask God, not for normal people. I said, God, bring me leaders that can change the world. It's not my job to change the world. It's my job to coach you to change the world. And I believe you will and can. I believe that. So... So this is something Joseph did that is really, really smart. What did he do? Number two, he added value to people's lives. In other words, be helpful. This may sound really simple, but add value. In fact, if you'll just take the principle I just gave you and go back to work this week and just add value and be helpful as much as you can in every situation, if you'll do that, your career will explode. Your income will explode. You know why? You're adding value. When people say, I don't earn enough money, my response is, are you adding enough value? If you'll add more value to the organization you work for, you'll eventually be paid like it. Not initially, takes a while for people to notice it, yet there has to be a season of faithfulness and diligence, work ethic, all those things are important. But if you'll do those things and eventually it will pay off. But if you are stuck in a situation and you're not seeing change, it's because you're not bringing it. I'm just, I'm just being honest and you may say, well, that's really hurtful, pastor. I'm trying to help you. And I can't help you unless I can speak truth to you. Remember, leadership is about, about what? Facing reality. I'm trying to give you a dose of reality right now. If you want to be a leader, you got to do something different. You got to stand out from the crowd. 
In fact, if you're really gonna lead, the crowd's not gonna like you. That's just, that's, that's leadership 101. If you're gonna really become a leader, then people won't like you. If no one's talking bad about you, you're not leading. Did you know that? I'm just telling you right now. If no one's criticizing you on Facebook, you're not leading anything. If you begin to lead, that's just, that's just part of it. People say, oh, Pastor, you're not gonna believe what I heard someone say about you. I'm, I will totally believe it. I don't need to know it either. I don't care. I'm just gonna keep leading. I really, I mean, you just, you just learn not to care. Because when I used to care, it drove me crazy. And I finally said, I can't care anymore. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, uh, Lord, I'm just gonna please you. I'm just gonna do what you tell me to do and lead. And I've learned if I'll just put my head down and focus on what God tells me to do, God can do great things, but you can't get caught up in what people think about you. You will go crazy. What people think about you is none of your business. Focus on what God's called you to do. If you'll do that, you can become a great leader. But you need to know something. You're gonna have problems. People aren't, aren't gonna always interpret the way you interpret. They're gonna, they're gonna say things about you. They will, people will lie about you if they can't get what they want from you. And that's exactly what Potiphar's wife did. And so now he ends up thrown in jail. But while he is in the house of Potiphar and his crazy wife, he adds value. So you can apparently be, be developing great leadership even in an organizational situation that's jacked up. Did you know that? Just because the company's going down doesn't mean you have to. You can do great things in that company. And then you'll, you'll get opportunity. Quit looking for job security. If you become a great leader, you'll have employment security. And even if the whole industry changes, you'll just jump industries, you'll be fine. So learn to develop your skills right where you are. Add value and you will see your income, your opportunities literally explode right in front of you. Just, just a couple months ago, I was at the movies. That's probably six months ago. I was at the movies with a buddy of mine. And uh, when I go to the movies, like the cheapest part of my movie experience is the ticket. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about, right? So I spend like 75 bucks on food, it seems like, right? And so I get like the popcorns this big. I take it home later, empty, empty out the popcorn and wash my dog in it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's what I do when I'm at the movie. So I, 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 go, I get all this food. I got my hot dog and I got to load my hot dog up just the way I like it. And I've got the popcorn. I've got the whole thing, right? So I go and I load up, you know, and, I, and I'm just focused on the movie. And so, and now I'm running a little late, you know, because I'm like, oh, I can't miss the previews. How many of you guys think the preview is the best part of the whole movie experience? See, to me, that is the best. I don't even have to see the movie. I just want to anticipate seeing a movie. You know what I'm saying? And so, so I love being in there on time for the whole experience. You know? So I'm a little late, which is frustrating. So I'm kind of grabbing my stuff quick and I open my little hot dog package up and I'm putting my stuff in it and I'm getting ready. And while I'm doing that, I notice next to me, there's a lady that works for the theater. I'm just guessing she's probably 25 to 30. I don't know her age, but somewhere in there. And she is just kicking butt. I mean, I'm watching this and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like she, she's cleaning everything. She's wiping stuff down. She, I mean, she's going, and she's going so fast. She's making sure everything, she's like, hi, how you doing? And she's just working, working, working. And I, I literally, I was, I was stunned. See, I'm also, I'm a pastor, but I'm also an employer. We hire people all the time, right? So I'm looking at this and I, this is the first time I've ever done it. I literally said, excuse me, I know you don't know who I am. I run an organization in your time, I'm a pastor here. If you ever need a job, call Church Unlimited and I'll hire you on the spot. I don't even know if she's a Christian. She was that good. I was like, unbelievable. I will hire you. I am not kidding. I have a friend of mine. He's an entrepreneur. He gets, he's got all this kind of development. He does, he's incredible what he does. He hired a waiter. The waiter was so good. He was like, I want to hire you right now. And he hired him away. I know a friend, another friend of mine goes to our San Antonio campus. He's in charge of all things digital for USAA. He was at Fiesta, Texas with one of his kids. And there was a huge line because it's kind of feast or famine with lines. You know how that is? And so all these people piled in line for something. And there's some kid, only one kid behind the counter because he thought there was gonna get like two people a day, right? And all of a sudden there's like 50 people wanting something. He stayed calm. He just kept going. I'll be right with you. He just kept going. And when he got to the front of the line, he said, I need your name and your number because I'm gonna hire you at USAA. 
See guys, what you understand is that when you become excellent at what you do, everyone notices. You know why? Because so few people do this. That when you begin to do this, you will become a leader. You will become a standout. Just add value wherever you are. People will take notice, I promise you. Just begin to add value. What does that mean? You say, I don't know what to do. When you run out of things to do, don't go to YouTube. Get up from your desk and go find someone who needs some help. Say, can I help you out? I just ran, I finished my task today. Anyway, I can help you? See, what we do is, oh, don't let, don't let the boss know I have extra time because it'll give me more to do. No, 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 but that, that's how you get ahead. You need to let them know, you, you've given me less than 40 hours worth of work and, and so I got it done early. What else can I do for you? They're gonna be like, what? And you become the standout. And that's when things begin to happen in your life. So I wanna encourage you to become a standout by adding value constantly to everyone and everything that you can. You know why you show up? Because this church apparently adds value to you. I may not be the best preacher, but here's one thing I pray every week. God, give me something to say that will help someone on Monday that I say on Sunday. I figured it out that I don't have to be that smart. I don't have to be a theological genius. All I have to do is be able to deliver value to you. And if I'll do that, we will not have an attendance problem. If I'll just bring value, I don't have to know it all. In fact, I've learned that people really don't care how theologically accurate or, or brilliant I think I am, which all pastors think they are. No one cares. This is why I don't show up and go, incidentally, the Greek word for tapioca is, no one cares. <laughs> so what I've learned to do instead is say, here's the word of God. It's so valuable. It will grow your life. It will change you. You'll become a great leader and do the purpose God has for you. If I'll just fill you with simple truths, then you will keep showing up. Why? Add value. If you just add value. And I hope while that's happening, I'm theologically accurate. But the truth is this, adding value is a game changer for anyone in what, the, in what they do, even your preacher. Genesis 39, look what happens next. So he throws Joseph in prison, right? So you think, well, hold on. He was adding value, but it got worse for him. But you need to know this. When things unfair happen to you that you can't change, that's God positioning you. Let me say that again, because some of you need to hear that today. When things happen, you're thinking, man, I'm doing the right thing. I'm honoring God, and this still happened to me. God's repositioning you. When things don't make sense, but for some reason, you worked your butt off, still lost your job. You poured everything in a relationship, they still left you. Guess what? God's repositioning you. In fact, I'll even go so th this far to tell you this right now. If a company rejects you and you're giving it your best, or if someone that you love and you're giving it your best rejects you, that's God protecting you from them. You can trust that. And it doesn't make sense in the moment, but you can ask 1,500 people around you that would say, oh yeah, that happened to me too, and God, I'm better off now. I've heard that so many times because God is repositioning you. He knows what you need. You gotta trust him. And you said, well, it's unfair. The moment was unfair, but God's a fair God. God will make up for the unfairness that happened to you. You just need to trust him. And so what happens next? He took Joseph, threw him into a prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all of the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Does that sound familiar? Isn't that what happened in Potiphar's house? He was treated wrongly and yet he still organized everything, cleaned it all up and made it really great. And then he, he just did that in the prison too. Apparently, Joseph had a trend. There's something that was consistent. Do you know we're all trending in some direction? You need to know your trend. How are you trending right now? Let me ask you about your trend real quick. Let me just ask you real simply. Do you start things and not finish them? Is that your trend? Did you start this and then finish it? Did you start that and didn't finish it? 
Is your trend to be off and running in an organization and then get offended and leave? And then you're off to the next one? Do you have a resume of offense over and over again where I was here for 18 months and then I realized they're a bunch of idiots, so then I moved to this company. And I worked, when I worked here, I heard these people were total jerks, and so then I moved here. Really? So everyone's just so bad, but you're great. Sounds like a trend. So what is your trend? Is your trend to be excited at the beginning and to quit? Is your trend to not follow through? Is your trend to always be late to meetings? Right? Oh, I want to be a great leader. Can you show up at eight? Because we started eight. Right? In fact, actually, if you started eight, show up at 7.55. Right? Can you show up a little early? So the, the point is, we were all trending in some direction. And don't say, well, I'm just kind of, I'm going even. No, you're not. The world's passing you by then. If you are not trending up in your life, the world's passing you by. I'm just telling you, I, I hate to break it to you. And so, but, but I've got some good news for you. You can catch up and pass the world pretty quick. You know why? While everyone else is sitting around watching TV, you get ahead. You don't even have to be fast. You just gotta be consistent. It's really true. And so what does this mean for you and me? Number three, increase your capacity to help more people. Trend upward regardless of the offenses. Joseph could have said, that lady's crazy and she offended me and she said I raped her and I never did. And on top of that, I shouldn't even been in the home because I was a slave when I was sold out by my brothers. He could have told that sob story everywhere he went. And if he would, if he would never develop himself. We all have a sad story. Quit telling it. Did you catch that? Quit telling your sad story. We all have one. I could, I could go on and on today about how I was done wrong by this and that person. Oh, believe me, I have a story. But you didn't come here for that. And if I started doing it every week, you'd quit coming. Why? Because I wouldn't be adding value. So here's what you gotta fight. You've gotta learn to fight the temptation to be offended all the time. This is a big deal. Listen, listen, listen. The higher you go in an organization, the nicer the people are. Not because they always feel like it, but because they choose to be. This is very important. When you're the cashier, it shouldn't be you have a good experience or a bad experience checking out with you because you had a good or bad day. It should always be a good experience, whether you're having a good day or a bad day. You have to learn to discipline your personality. And so there was a season when I was offended and I was hurt by multiple people in the church that were close to me and it really hurt bad. I'm talking nights of crying and difficulties, but guess what? You never knew it. Because when I got up here, it's like, nope, God did not call me to tell my sob story. He called me to get up here and bless people. You are meant to be a blessing whether you're receiving blessings or not. If you will stay faithful, put on your game face. You say, you're saying fake it? No, I'm saying faith it. You gotta learn to faith it to believe that there's still a good God even though things went wrong. There's still a good God even though I got messed up. There's still a good God even though I was betrayed. There's still a good God. And I believe that. And so you gotta build that. Increase your capacity to help more people and you will trend upwards. All Joseph did, you know, Joseph never had a PhD in this or that. He doesn't have an MBA. Joseph didn't do this. Joseph didn't have a, a, a really recognizable, amazing skill other than organizing. He said, well, all I know how to do is organize my house really well. No, no, take that skill and go organize your, your office and your desk and, and, and then the whole department. And if you can do that well, then you can maybe organize the whole plant and you can organize the whole division. You can see, see the thing is, is it, it's not that you have to have some skill that no one has. You just have to take the same skill you, everyone has and develop at a higher level. That's it. If you can do that, you can do some great things. You know, I, I preach every weekend. I've been doing the same thing for 21 years. It's just, we just added some layers and now we figured out if we record this or if we go live, we can preach and I can preach in multiple locations at the same time. All we did, how do you have a church of 10,000? Oh, because I'm just so smart. No, it's because we just take the simple principle of what God built me to do and we just simply increase the capacity of doing it with more people. That's it. 
It's not that complicated. Take what you do to a higher level. Figure out how to add a multiple to what you do. And you can be like Joseph. He just said, I used to clean a house, now I clean a prison. I used to organize a house, now I organize a prison. And so he just upped the level. He upped his game. It's not, and listen, guys, it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your past is. I, I, listen, I don't mean this to, to offend you, but I mean this sincerely. I don't care. Because it's not about your past. It's about where you're going. There's a guy named Matthew Henry. He's a scholar back in the day, like hundreds of years ago. And uh, he fell in love with a girl, and he lived in London. He fell in love with a girl. And, and, and you know, in, in, in Europe, it's all about what family you're from, at least was back then. And so it was all about, are you from nobility or not? Are you from this and that family, duchess of this and duchess of that, and all that kind of stuff. And so he, he did not come from a family like that. Well, he fell in love with a girl that was from nobility, just means her, she had a family name that meant something, I guess. And so she went to, to introduce him to her father, and, and they were very much in love. Dad, this is who I'm in love. So then later, she's talking with her father, and her father says, well, what family is he from? And she says, he, he's not from a family like, like you and I, dad. And so he said, well, then why would you fall in love with him? He, I mean, look, look at him, he, he has no past. Like, why would, you, why would you do that? And so he basically said, you know, I, I, he has no background. And she said, dad, I'm not in love with him because of where he's from. I'm in love with him because of where he's going. And Matthew Hainer became one of the greatest biblical scholars of all time. In fact, did you know that to this day, several, a hundred and something years later, I personally still use his commentaries. It's brilliant. It's not where you're from, guys. It's where you're going. You want to attract some people in your life? Go somewhere. Head somewhere. Have a specific direction. Have an objective. Know what you want in life and go for it. Increase your capacity. Trend upward regardless of the offense that comes your way. And by the way, let me tell you this right now. I don't care how big your dreams are. I don't care how lofty your goals are. Nothing works until you do. You're going to have to go to work. Today's message is the gospel of hard work. If you will not put in hard work, don't expect God to bless you. God does not bless good intentions. He blesses your work. Show up early, stay late, work through lunch, put the time in. Wow, no one's admitting me right now, but I'm trying to help you get ahead. Someone needs to get a work ethic in this place. And if you'll do that, God can do amazing things through people who pour themselves out for him. Work hard and God can bless you. Last scripture for the day, Genesis chapter 41. Two more verses. It says this. So if you, if you keep it up with me, first of all, leadership starts with the job you have to do, not the one you want to do. Add value. Number three, increase your capacity. This is where you trend upward regardless of being offended. You just don't worry about that and keep focused on, on doing what God called you to do. And then number four, be diligent and you will stand before kings. What does that mean? Be diligent. Number four, you got to get better before you get bigger. Or let me put this in a real blunt way for those of you who are in the business world. You gotta get better before you get richer. I don't know how to put it simpler than that. Rich people are just better at what they do. It's that simple, right? You gotta get better before you get bigger. I'm not really worried about money around here. I'm an, I work for a nonprofit. But we wanna get better at what we do so we can get bigger, reaching more people for Christ. And so that's why you always up it, always increase the quality, never sit, never rest on your laurels. Keep going, keep going, keep going. God has more in you. Genesis 41 says this, Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once. So Pharaoh had a problem suddenly. He's like, man, I had this dream and I don't know what it means. Bring in my advisors. They came in, they're like, oh, well, we're not sure what that dream means. And so they're like, are you, why am I paying you guys? You know, so he's frustrated. He's not getting the answers he wants. And so he's like, and so one of his assistants says, hey, hey, Pharaoh, real quick, sir, if you don't mind, um, you remember a couple of years ago when you threw me in prison because you were mad at me? He's like, yes. He goes, well, there's a guy down there I met that's really sharp. Like, really? He goes, yeah. And he actually interprets dreams. He interpreted my dream and it came true. It came accurate, and he was like, really? He goes, sir, I just think it may be worth your time to go find him 
and let him interpret your dream. So Joseph gets called up to the big leagues. He goes from prison to meeting with the king. Why did that happen? Was it just because Joseph could interpret dreams or was it because the guy that helped him out also was extremely sharp, running the whole place, right? So he made an impression on him that when the opportunity came, he remembered Joseph. So what does that mean for you and me? Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once and he was quickly brought uh, from the prison. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night and no one here can tell me what it means. But I've heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. It is beyond my power to do this, Joseph replied, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Of course, and he interprets the dream for him. But I, rather than focus on that, we're gonna talk about that a little bit next week. But what I wanna talk about instead is the fact that Joseph was so diligent at what he did that he impressed Potiphar, even though Potiphar was crazy. He still couldn't deny the fact that Joseph was sharp. He impressed the warden and those who worked for the king that, that the king was hacked off and threw him in prison. And then eventually he impressed the king. In fact, what does this mean? Proverbs 22 says this. Do you see a man diligent and skillful in his business? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. If you're good at what you do and you're diligent at it, you'll stand before kings. What does that mean? That means the people that are your clients are high end. They're the people with the big bucks. They're like, hey, I wanna hire you because you do it right, right? And so you say, man, all I know how to do is build cabinets. But if you're really good at it, you'll build cabinets for the nicest homes in America. So, well, it's just building the cabinet. No, no, but, but your detail of work, it's different with you because most people have a little problem in the cabinet and they still hang it up and put it in the, no, not you. you no, do it again, it's not right. And when you're that detailed, guess what? People wanna hire you. You'll stand before kings. Number four, be diligent and you will stand before kings. Get better before getting bigger. I wanna challenge you one last thing real quick. I wanna challenge you to demonstrate excellence in your life this week. Here's what, some of you right now are a little overwhelmed. You're like, there's just so much there. I don't know where to begin. Begin with being helpful at work if you want your career to explode. Begin by being helpful in your home if you want your marriage to take off. People say, she's so mad at me. He's so mad at me. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Then don't say anything. Just start serving him. Just, just, just start serving. If you'll do that, things will take off. So I, my, me and my kids, we, we're just, we're strange. We, don't even, we have no relationship. I don't even know how to connect with them now. Serve them. Look for a way to help them. If you'll do that, God will use that to open the door. If you'll just become helpful. I know that sounds real simple, but I'm, it, it, you say, well, I've tried everything. Have you tried this? Go back and try this. Become helpful. But on top of that, here's what I want to challenge you to do. If you want to become a leader, demonstrate excellence. Leaders are excellent at what they do. And you got to start demonstrating excellence in things you don't care about so you can start demonstrating excellence one day in things you do care about. So this may sound really funny, but how many of you guys want to be a leader in here? Let me ask you something. What does your car look like right now? If I were to sit in your car beside you, what would I see in the floorboard of your car? Got quiet. Because <laughs> see, the boss pulls up in the same driveway you pull up in to go to work. And so they see whether you have excellence or not every time you, they pull in the driveway. You know, what does your bedroom look like? What does your office look like at work? Right? Is it just Trinket City or is it organized like you're doing something? Right? And so this may sound kind of funny, but I'm serious. What do you dress like at work? You tell me I got to go buy a new wardrobe. Honey, Pastor Bill told me I got to go buy a new wardrobe. No, I did not say that. <laughs> Why don't you iron the wardrobe you have? Excellence. It may seem really simple, but I'm just telling you. Begin to, and so here's what I would do. Just pick one area that you can begin to demonstrate excellence in. There's a whole book of, uh, on this, by the way, by uh, one of the top Navy officers in the world. And he basically, the whole book premise is this, make your bed. I love that. Because if you make your bed, first thing, you've already won. You already started off. You, I have a success. I've, I've only been up for five minutes. I'm already succeeding in my life. 
and you build off of that. Excellence, demonstrate excellence in at least one area. Last story I wanna tell you real quick. There's a, it, it's a, not a story, it's, it's, this is a principle that just happens every day, actually. Uh, it's the story of geese. If you, if you study geese, you know that they fly further than any bird. They just do, they go further. So they have no special skill. There's nothing about them you go, oh wow, they're like the eagle or the falcon. No, they're not, they're, they're really not. They're not predatorial. They're really basic birds. I mean, you think, well, I mean, what's so special about them? But they go further. Do you know they go, they go further than any bird? They will literally travel the world. When it gets cold, they go find warm climate. And you gotta cover half the world to do that. And they do that all the time. It's just, it's built in to do this. How do they do that? Well, a couple things I wanna mention real quick. The first thing they do is they rotate leadership. They fly in formation, the V formation, and the leader's in front. And by the way, to be the leader, the lead bird, the lead geese, geese, is that, is that how you say that? Goose, thank you. I'm a professional speaker, keep that in mind. So the lead bird has to be able to handle turbulence. Did you know that? So everybody wants to be the leader, but can you handle turbulence? If you can't handle a little wind in your face, you're not gonna leave very long. And so, and then what they do, then they rotate and another one goes and takes the lead for a while. So you're gonna get your leadership opportunity. In fact, you probably already got leadership opportunities. The question is, what'd you do with it? You know what I do around here? Put them on stage, give them two minutes. I need them to make this announcement, that announcement, do this and do that. Put them on stage and then I would just watch how they do. And if it was like, eh, okay, okay, well, they had their shot. And then someone else was like, hey, they're pretty good. Oh, awesome, give them four minutes next time. We'll see how they do. Okay, great, they, they, they did an announcement. Okay, great. Hey, we're gonna do a rotating message uh, on a smaller stage and give them three minutes and have them make one point and watch how they do it. If they do that well, oh, they're pretty good. Okay, great. Then next time on an off day when there's not that many people, give them the whole message, how they do, right? What am I doing? I'm warming them up. I wanna see if they're any good and if they take it serious or not. You know? And so it's like, you ever seen the quarterback go in the game and they're in there for one play? Like the, the main quarterback goes out, has an injury, they, their shoe gets thrown off or their helmet, they got to fix something. So they come off. And so the one quarterback, the backup comes in, right? What does he do? He snaps the ball and he does this. He pulls back and he passes it off to the running back and then he's out. Okay, I've done, I did my job. And he's, you know, like that's the one thing he did. But it's okay because you think, oh, well, that was nothing. That, there was no success in that. Yeah, there was, he did it. He went on the biggest stage in the world in sports and he did his job for just a few seconds, and he succeeded at it, and so, good job, check. Because if he would have fumbled, he wouldn't be going back out there. There's a guy behind him that will go out next time. And so then when there's an injury, he gets his opportunity. By the way, did you, did you know this is how Tom Brady got the role he has? He was not hired as a starter. Did you know that? He's done pretty good. <laughs> he was not hired as a starter. He backed up Drew Bledsoe. People don't even know that guy's name anymore because of what he did. Start with where you are. A couple of other things real quick and I'll wrap it up. By flying as they do in V formation, by coordinating their efforts with other people on the team, by being a good team player, geese go 71% further than other birds. Wouldn't it be great to go 71% further in your career? All you have to do is follow good leaders and you can do that. When one goose gets sick or wounded, two of them drop down to the ground with them until they're healed up and they come back and join the formation. Oh, wow. Did you know that? So you need to have a support system. One of the reasons why God has blessed this ministry is not because of me. It's because of my incredible wife. Because the support that I get is huge for me. The support I get from her, the support I get from our team of people, that are just kicking butt. I could not do what I do without an amazing team. And when I've been wounded and I'm down on that ground, 
My wife ministers to me. We all need that. Who is supporting you? Who is helping you? And the last thing is this. The geese in the back all have the same job. You know what they do? They honk. <laughs> Did you know that? They honk the whole time because every leader needs to have support of followers. And if you're gonna become a good leader, you gotta learn to honk. And so I gotta tell you right now, if you want some good preaching, I need to hear some honking up in this place. I need you to let me know. If this is helping you, let me know. I need to, come on, I need to hear this. I need that. And if you're gonna honk, honk for your campus pastor when they get up here. Honk for the worship team when they're up here killing themselves for you, honoring God, learn their part. They get up here, they sing their brains out. Sing with them, encourage them, let them know how great they are, how grateful you are for them in your life. Listen, when you go pick up your kids and children's, honk for those volunteers. They don't have to be there. They're not paid to be there. They're serving you. Honk for the people in the parking lot. Honk for those people that are leaders in your life, helping you. And if you'll learn to support and celebrate them, then God can support and celebrate you as a leader too. You gotta learn to honk. Let people know. Would you pray with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed, and we take a moment to pray. I wanna encourage you today during this prayer time, if God has spoken something clearly to you today, would you just simply acknowledge it and say, God, thank you that you have given me the steps I need to be worth following. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe God has spoken to you about just demonstrating excellence, that y'all, I wanna be a great leader, but God's saying, well, where can we begin? Let's start with one habit of excellence. How many of you today are gonna go home and say, okay, I'm gonna do one thing excellent from now on. I'm just gonna find one thing I'm gonna do, just simple thing, and build on that. How many of you guys could commit to that? Would you raise your hand if you could commit to that? So I can just find one thing I'm gonna do that's excellent. Great, that's a great beginning point. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe for you today, you realize, wow, I am expecting everyone to add value to my life, yet I'm not adding value to anyone's. Maybe today you need to th see things differently. You know, the leadership equation that you can use that will change your life is simply add value. It's not complicated, it's really not begin to add value. Next week, we're gonna talk more about that. Be sure to, to be here. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, maybe today you've never given your life to Jesus. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, God sent his son. Talk about adding value. He knew you needed a savior, someone to save you from your own sin, save me from my own sin, so he sent Jesus. Jesus died for our sin and he rose again. The greatest value creator in the world, Jesus. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, you can receive Christ in your heart right now through a simple prayer. You'll get heaven when you die. You'll get a relationship with him now and you get the freedom of being forgiven for all your sins. Your head bowed and your eyes closed. Pray this prayer with me. You can say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for me. I believe you paid the price for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In your name we pray, amen.